Welcome to That and a Dollar, the podcast that thinks this will be the best night ever. I'm a guy named Chuck. What I like to do is pick a topic and dive in with some fun pop culture examples. My hope is to share my thoughts and provide some insight into some of my favorite franchises out there. I hope to give you some movies or shows you may not have seen, or at the very least, remind you of those forgotten gems. I like sharing things I like and maybe shed a little light on why I like them so much. I always love to hear people talk about things they like, even if they're not my favorites. If I watch a movie and I don't like it, I always try to get back to it and rewatch it down the road, just in case the movie was good and it was me and where I was. With respect to shows, I like to give a minimum of three episodes before I decide to continue. I'm on Twitter. You can find me at, at that and a dollar. Feel free to check that out. If you'd like to keep this one-man operation flying, please feel free to leave a tip at buymeacoffee.com slash that and a dollar. Or you can check out our store at cafepress.com slash that and a dollar. Ever notice how people tend to squeeze as much as possible into as short a time as possible? You hear people talk about that one year in high school or maybe college and they take all the fun from the entire experience and make it one year. Or maybe you had that job that was pretty cool and condense it down to a single weekend or a couple of weeks. I mean, I ran a bar for a year. Well, actually, I ran a bar for a couple of months, but I worked there for a year and really all the cool stuff happened in one month. But did it? It spread out over the year, but by pushing it down to that one month period, it seems so much cooler. I love it when movies do this. That Take what is clearly a month or two of events and boil it down to a single night or at least limit it to a couple of days, condensing it to somehow make it better. Here are five movies that happened one night. Adventures in Babysitting follows babysitter named Chris Parker, who agrees to watch three kids for the night in the suburbs of Chicago. The babysitter is played by Elizabeth Shue, which you know from The Saint, The Karate Kid, and more recently on A Season of the Boys. Our first child, Sarah, the youngest, played by Maya Bruton, who was on Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Our second child, Brad, played by Keith Coogan, who was in Toy Soldiers, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, and Hiding Out. And our third kid, Daryl, is, uh, well, that's played by Anthony Rapp from Rent, Dazed and Confused, and Star Trek Discovery. When Chris's friend Brenda, Penelope Ann Miller, who you know from Carlito's Way, The Artist, and The Freshman, calls from a downtown bus station in a panic, Chris takes the kids with her to go rescue Brenda. This is where everything takes off. We go from one bad situation to another. First off, the car gets a flat on the highway, and of course, there's no spare. So they're left on the side of the road. You know when you're just going to run out and do something quick and everything goes wrong? What will they do? Well, a tow truck, tow truck driver pulls over, and of course, uh, our first he's our first scare because he has one hand. He has a hook for a hand, so immediately they're all scared of him, but he's there to help. On the way to the garage, Hookman gets a call over the radio about his cheating wife. Now, we arrive at the house, and there's apparently a strange car out front. Hookman pulls a gun from the glove box and starts shooting. Now, our crew run and hide in another car on the street as the windshield of the babysitter's car gets shot out. Of course, the car they're hiding in is being stolen. Chicago, am I right? Now, they're locked in a car with a car thief, Calvin Levels, from Point of No Return and the Atlanta Child Murders. They ask to be let out, and the thief tells them, I wouldn't even get out in this neighborhood. He assures them everything will be just fine, and he'll help them after dropping off the car. Chicago just has the nicest car thieves, right? We arrive at the chop shop and discover there is a high-level mob meeting occurring on what to do with all the stolen cars. The kids are now a liability, but they'll be dealt with later. Until then, they're locked in an office and essentially forgotten about. 
While in the office, the kids discover a loose vent in the ceiling that they can get out across the top of the warehouse to an open window on the roof and down the fire escape. At this point, the meeting inside needs notes on the Philly operation. Of course, the notes are written in a Playboy magazine. Now, the running gag here is this month's Playboy centerfold looks just like our babysitter. The boys have naturally stolen this to replace the one that they had lost earlier in the movie, which makes them a target for the mobsters, who are now chasing them down the alley. The kids duck into a blues club. This one, this is one of my favorite scenes in any movie, not just this one, of course. Uh, they walk out onto stage, and Albert Collins informs them. Um, my name's Chris Parker. I live in Oak Park. That's a suburb. They probably figured that out. <laughs> this is Brad, Sarah, and Daryl. And we're in trouble. A no doubt. See me and my boyfriend, Mike. Tonight's our anniversary. But then he went and canceled. And now I'm stuck watching these three. And it's so hard. And it's so hard Babysitting these guys She got the I got this call from Brenda I went to pick her up The tire had a blowout And my mom's car got shot up And these guys started to chase us And we all got hijacked <laughs> Cruising down the highway. This big old Cadillac, and it's so hard. Yeah! It's so hard. Babysitting these guys. She got the babysitting blue. Baby, baby, babysitting blue. I've got the Just a fun scene, as if anyone can sing the blues, and obviously the bad guys chasing our kids are told the same thing. You know, I kind of want to see that scene as well. I bet they do not get into it half as much as the kids did. This is all intercut with scenes of Brenda, the typical suburban kid, trying to survive a downtown bus station. Her glasses are stolen, she thinks a sewer rat is a kitten, and so on. But the focus is on our kids trying to get their car fixed and return home before the parents get home and learn what has happened. You know, typical 80s movie plot. And I really don't want to give too much away other than to say we get Vincent D'Onofrio as a mechanic who Sarah, the youngest, is convinced is Thor. So D'Onofrio plays Thor, then Kingpin. Keep in mind, this comes out the same year as Full Metal Jacket, where D'Onofrio is just absolutely wonderful as well. This is a wonderful family movie night movie. If you've not seen it, you need to. You can find it at, over at Disney+. Plus. Weird science. You know, it's not a bad idea. What? Making a girl. Actually making a girl. Is a classic 1980s teen comedy film directed by John Hughes, who you know from every great 80s film. Uh, he did Breakfast Club, Uncle Buck, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, just to name a few. The movie follows two nerdy high school students who feel left out of the social scene at their school. Gary is played by Anthony Michael Hall, who you know from National Lampoon's Vacation, Six Pack, and Sixteen Candles. Wyatt is played by Ellen Mitchell-Smith, who was in the television show Superboy back in 1989. 
One night, they decide to use Wyatt's computer to create the perfect woman. Using a combination of magazine clippings, wires, and other electronic gadgets, they hook everything up to the computer with a lightning bolt. Their creation comes to life. The classic Frankenstein model. I love it. The woman they've created is everything they could ever have wanted and more. Named Lisa, she's portrayed by Kelly LeBrock, who has appeared in Hard to Kill, The Woman in Red, and Wrongly Accused. She's beautiful, confident, and cool. And she helps the boys to gain confidence and popularity. They introduce her to their friends, classmates, and she quickly becomes the talk of the school. She teaches the boys how to dress how to stand up to bullies, how to be more assertive in their daily lives. Now, two bullies played by Robert Russler from A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, and Robert Downey Jr., yes, Iron Man, as well as Sherlock Holmes, and you know him from Back to School, try to get Gary and Wyatt to build their own version of Lisa at a party thrown by our heroes. The house is filled with everyone from school, as well as a cast of characters that we've met along the way. This process destroys most of the house. However... Not everyone is happy about Lisa's arrival. Wyatt's older brother, Chet, expertly played by the always great Bill Paxton from Aliens, Frailty, and Twister, is skeptical of Lisa and thinks that she's a bad influence on the boys. Chet tries to sabotage her, but Lisa is more than a match for Chet. She uses her powers to manipulate and outsmart Chet, proving that she's more than just a pretty face. I mean, she turns him into a disgusting slime monster. This is a wonderful film even if some of the jokes have not aged well, really feels more like a series of skits that build a cohesive story It's a with its wonderful ending. <clears throat> Lessons are learned, character growth occurs. It's PG-13, but I bet if it was out today, it would probably land an R rating for some of the humor. And again, some of the humor has not aged well. If you want to see this one, you'll have to rent it from Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube, and so on. American Graffiti is a coming-of-age story directed by George Lucas, who also star, who also did Star Wars and Willow, and was released in 1973. The movie takes place in 1962 in Modesto, California, and follows a group of teenagers on their last night together before they all go off to college. The film stars Richard Dreyfuss from Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Mr. Holland's Opus as Kurt. Ron Howard, who you may remember uh, from Happy Days, The Andy Griffith Show, and Grand Theft Auto, plays Steve. Cindy Williams, who you know from Laverne and Shirley, Big Man on Campus, and Meet Wally Sparks. She plays Lori, Steve's girlfriend. Paul Lamott was in Puppet Master and More American Graffiti, the unnecessary sequel to American Graffiti. Now, he plays John Milner. Charles Martin Smith, who was in the Buddy Holly story, The Untouchables, and Herbie Goes Bananas, he plays Terry. Harrison Ford, you know from... Well, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, The Fugitive. He plays Bob Falfa. He's the one that's looking for Paul Lamatt's character throughout the whole film. And Mackenzie Phillips from One Day at a Time, uh, So Weird and the Jacket, she plays young Carol. Now, the movie revolves around the lives of four high school friends who are trying to figure out their futures. Kurt is about to leave for college on the East Coast but is having doubts about his decision. He spends his evening hopping from car to car, trying to find the blonde in the Thunderbird who has just got to be his soulmate. Steve is torn between his love for his girlfriend, Lori, and his desire to have fun with his friends. Having spent his life in this small town, he wants to spread his wings and fly a little, and is really unsure of what he actually wants out of this world. John plays the tough guy who loves his car and loves racing, uh, spends most of his night riding around, hearing about the guy looking to race him and babysitting young Carol. 
Terry the Toad Fields is the youngest member of the group and is desperately trying to impress the older guys. Everything he tries just does not seem to work out for him. He has one scene where he gets someone to buy him alcohol. Turns out to be the guy is robbing the store. The movie is notable for its music, which features prominently throughout the film. The soundtrack includes classic rock songs from the 1960s, such as Rock Around the Clock and Surf and Safari. The music is used to create a sense of nostalgia for the era and to help convey characters' emotions. The film's use of music and depiction of teenage life in the early 60s have made it a cultural touchstone for baby boomers and subsequent generations. All with the voice of acclaimed disc jockey Wolfman Jack. If you want to see this one, you'll need uh, you'll need to be over at Paramount Plus, or you'll have to rent it or buy it from all the usual suspects: Voodoo, Redbox, etc. The Hangover. If you want to go to Vegas without me? That is totally cool. What are you talking about? Well, you know, Phil and Stu, they're your buddies, and it's your bachelor party, and those two love you. Boys and their bachelor parties—it's gross. It is gross. I just wish your friends were as mature as you. They are mature, actually. You just have to get to know them better. Aging Dr. Douchebag! Plays out like a series of skits, almost as you would tell the story about your trip to Vegas. The cast chemistry works out great with these actors. The laughs, while some have not aged well, most hit the mark, and you'll find yourself literally laughing out loud. Now, the cast of characters is wonderful. Our main character, who we literally see the least of, is Doug, played by Justin Bartha, who you will know from the National Treasure franchise. The guys are all in Vegas for Doug's bachelor party. He's the reason for the film, and we see him the least. This is the film that made me an Ed Helms fan. He is the guy that lies to his girlfriend to avoid the fight about going to Vegas. He ends up doing the most damage out of all these guys. You know Ed Helms from The Office, Tag, and We're the Millers. If I'm being honest, I do not think Zach Galifianakis is even acting in this movie. He plays Alan, the brother-in-law to be of Doug. He starts off not even being sure about going on the trip or how he'll fit in and ends up being crucial to saving the whole group, even if he was initially the one who gets them all into trouble. Now, you know Zach Galifianakis from Due Date, the show Baskets, and Are You Here? Bradley Cooper plays Phil, the seemingly unhappily married Vegas expert. I love this character. He's a school teacher, very much looking forward to a weekend with the boys away from it all. I mean, who can't relate to that? You know Bradley Cooper from the show Alias, the remake of A Star is Born with Lady Gaga and Silver Linings Playbook. So what is this movie? I'm glad this was made in 09 instead of the 80s. Uh, it would have been a different movie. Let's start with the beginning of the movie. I mean, we get some simple character introductions, but it really starts with the rooftop toast. The four guys are gathered together on uh, the roof of Caesar's Palace. We get a heartfelt toast from Phil and then my favorite prepared remarks from Alan. The cameraman, uh, the camera pans up. As night becomes day, we cut to the hotel room, the trashed hotel room. Ed Helms is passed out on the floor. Some lady in heels is leaving through the door quietly. A chicken is roaming around. Uh, one of the chair cushions is smoking. You know, your typical Vegas trip. Our crew slowly comes to. Alan goes to use the bathroom and discovers a tiger. Just a loose tiger in the bathroom. And we get a baby in the closet. I mean, we've all been there, right? The guys get the bright idea to empty their pockets to look for clues. They find Phil has been in the hospital. This leads them to the Chapel O' Love, where we discover Ed Helms' character had gotten married. Of course, they splurge for the high roller package. Hats, mugs, a photo album, and calendars. All the evidence you'd never want from one of these nights. 
Ed Helms' character has married a call girl slash stripper played by Heather Graham, who you know from Boogie Nights, Lost in Space, and Bowfinger. Of course, the baby is hers. Um, this is where the cops bust in and arrest our gang for stealing a police car. So down to the station we go, all handcuffed together. Phil makes the call home, hoping that maybe Doug has checked in, uh, but he's really trying to buy them time before returning so that Doug can, so they can find Doug. They work a deal at the police station to get out of the jam there. And now I don't want to spoil this, so I'm going to leave that scene there. After the police station, they head back to the hotel room where Mike Tyson knocks out Alan. I mean, of course, where else would you get a tiger but from Mike Tyson's house? Now they have 40 minutes to return the tiger to Mike Tyson. This movie has so many funny little scenes, and I think they work because no one seems to know what happened the night before. Like I said, if this was made in the 80s, we'd get the hijinks from the night before. This is funnier, as around every corner is another clue, another skit, another punchline. The longer it, this goes on, the bigger the story gets. You sit there watching, thinking, this is it. It can't get any crazier than, bam, crazier happens. Uh, you know, like that last trip to Vegas we took. This one is worth watching. The two sequels don't pay off as much as the first, but how many do? If you want to see this, you'll have to rent it or buy it from Vudu, Amazon, and, you know, all the usual suspects there. I love Dazed and Confused. It was the last day of school. Uh, Miss Crawford, I was thinking that maybe you and I can get together over the summer. I mean, it'll be legal. I mean, it, can be... it was the first day of summer vacation. Do you guys know anything about a party here tonight? No, sir. This movie, first of all, has a cast that would feature throughout the late 90s and early 2000s. It is a masterclass in using music and editing, not to mention it hits on all cylinders for that sort of universal teen experience. I mean, yeah, it's American Graffiti for the 70s, but if you're not grinning ear to ear watching this, you did not have a good high school experience. This is a love letter to the past from the past. It's nostalgia at its finest, and you will remember your own experiences growing up with this. Let's start with the cast. This is a veritable who's who of 90s independent film and early 2000s film and television. At the start, we have our lead, Randall Pink Floyd, uh, played by Jason London, who you will know from a couple of Aerosmith videos as well as Grind and Out Cold. He plays our typical handsome quarterback. He's looking for a little more meaning than just football and all that that has to offer. Next up is the lovable Slater, played to perfection by Rory Cochran, who you know from The Conjuring, CSI Miami, and Argo. What 70s set movie would be complete without our resident stoner? And that is exactly what Slater is. He seems to be perpetually stoned throughout the movie. In shop class, where he's advising another student on his self-made bong, or his commentary on how much acid is too much acid to endure a John Bonham drum solo, or even that George Washington was in a cult, and that cult believed in aliens. We love us some Slater, and he delivers in every scene. Next up is Benny, played by Cole Hauser from Kville, Higher Learning, and Pitch Black. He is one of the many teammates of Randall Floyd, who is trying to get him to sign this pledge not to drink or do drugs over the summer. This is a recurring item throughout the film while they're all, you know, drinking and doing drugs. A brief appearance by Nikki Cat, who you remember, remember from Boston Public and Boiler Room. Blink and you might miss him. Uh, he plays a car guy, is in a fight scene. More on that a little later. Joey Lauren Adams from Mallrats, Biodome, and Big Daddy plays Randall's girlfriend and one of our senior girls. Next up, we got Adam Goldberg from the remake of The Equalizer, as well as Saving Private Ryan, Fargo, and A Beautiful Mind. 
He is one of the less popular uh, kids who's friends with Randall. I really hate to say it like that, as he does have his own group of friends just separate from the football team in that circle. Anthony Rapp from Rent, Star Trek Discovery, and the previous item, Adventures in Babysitting, uh, plays one of Adam Goldberg's character's friends. These guys are in journalism together, and they seem to be more on the fringe than in the middle of what everything that's going on. This next one is just literally in the movie. She's in several scenes. I don't think she has any lines, and you never get a sense of who she's really with. She's just around, and I'm talking about Mila Jovovich. You'll know her from The Fifth Element, The Fourth Kind, and of course, all those Resident Evil movies. Parker Posey is at her Parker Poseyest in this film. She plays Darla Marks, who is just, well, forgive my French, but just a bitch. Yes, she's clearly in the popular group, but I doubt any of them actually like her. I mean, Joey Lauren Adams's character seems to be friends with her, but she's just so unlikable here that you almost love her for it. Now, you know Parker Posey from Mixed Nuts, Waiting for Guffman, Suburbia, and one of my favorites, Best in Show. Another great character is O'Bannon. This is the senior who flunked his senior year and is still hanging out like there is nothing happened. This is one of the great performances from Ben Affleck, who you know from literally everything. Goodwill Hunting, Argo, Batman, The Town, School Ties, Armageddon, Mall Rats, just to name a couple. I didn't even IMDb that one. All right, all right, all right. Rounding out our cast is Matthew McConaughey. He plays the older guy who graduated... Well, they're never really clear about that, but it's a while ago. Probably the creepiest of the characters, but it feels normal because there was always seemed to be that one guy a couple of years older hanging around back in the 70s and 80s. Now, you know McConaughey from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, A Time to Kill, and Contact. Well, that's the cast you'd recognize immediately, and that's only about half the cast. This movie has a great soundtrack, probably as iconic of the 70s as American Graffiti is for the early 60s. All those classics like Freebird, Slow Ride, Tush, uh, a wonderful open with Aerosmith's uh, Sweet Emotion. This film's editing hits you right at the start with Sweet Emotion coming in as we open. Then it continues to hit the music and images right on the beat. Trust me, when you see it, it's almost seamless until you've seen it a million times like I have. I'm going to start with what I normally end with, and that is I don't want to spoil too much here. Look, it's the last day of school for 1976. Uh, we start with character introduction at school, then we go down the paths of each of our characters, and this is worth the ride. Whether it's the freshman hazing in the school parking lot where they're selling concessions, or the party that gets broken up before it starts because dad found out, this one has all the universal touchstones of growing up in suburbia from about the late 70s through the 80s. Now, our group spends a lot of time in their cars, hopping from one to another. This is really seems to drive the story. The story's not the right word here. It drives the experience. You want to know what it was like to grow up in the 70s and 80s or just try and remember what it was like? Check this one out. You can find it at Hulu and Paramount+. Plus. There it is, my list of five happened one night movies. Did I miss yours? Let me know on social media with the hashtag ThatInADollarPodcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at ThatInADollar. We're also on Instagram at a underscore guy underscore named underscore chuck also don't forget to join our facebook group that in a dollar podcast if you want to support further episodes please leave a tip at buymeacoffee.com slash that in a dollar or check out our store at cafepress.com slash that in a dollar podcast as always i'm a guy named chuck and that in a dollar will get you a cup of coffee